0: Bass Edge Radio commence broadcast in three, two. One. You're listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from Megaware KeelGuard Studios.
1: Bass Edge Nation, welcome to another fantastic, unbelievable, very insightful edition of Bass Edge Radio. That's right. The October 1. Aaron, we're in an Indian summer. Dude, is it ever going to cool down?
2: I don't know the answer to that question. I'm beginning to wonder uh, our decision to close our pool uh, here shortly in uh, about seven days. But um, you know what? Probably uh, when that happens, then hopefully we'll see some – cooler temperatures to start pushing those bass like we speak of actually into a fall transition, because right now, I don't know that that's happening. And I know that you're getting ready, I think, to head to somewhat of a big event, right, Kurt? Oh, yeah.
1: You know, I've been watching the weather, staying in tune to what's going on, prepping for the U.S. Open out at Lake Mead in Las Vegas, Nevada. This will be my third year fishing out there. Really enjoy it, Aaron. It's a lot of fun. Great format with the uh, AAAs, shared weight format with the pros. It's a great deal. But really, my thought process is focused there on vegas has been much much cooler than texas and and i'm not just talking about down here in south texas around like amistad i'm talking about even north texas up around Hayabusa's office in denton that kind of area maybe even a little bit cooler than you in missouri quite frankly my friend it's been pretty interesting to watch out there um i feel like no matter what these weather conditions are happening fish are in this transition so the fall transition is in effect it's just not at a full force scenario as of yet. There's definitely some fall movements going on right now, and it's going to be a, a lot of fun prepping for that with the U.S. Open. Typical stuff, man. I always talk about this, Aaron, but horizontal versus vertical lure presentations. It is the time of year to bust out the chuck and wine techniques, the horizontal presentations. Fisher chasing bait going on for several weeks now, and it is no doubt one of the best ways to catch fish out there i say that and of course i gotta give a shout out to carl jockamson just won the elite series event a few days ago a week or so ago now Dragon and Jig, Aaron. Got the summertime patterns going.
2: Yeah, fantastic. I love the fact that uh, great guy. put. Obviously, everybody puts in the effort, but so happy to see that. And you know what, Kurt? We need to uh, remind him again your positive mojo wearing off because every time I call into the MegaWare Keelguard office, the yeah. hold music is an episode that we did of Carl and it's his interview. So, speaking of which, MegaWare Keelguard has uh, been supporting us since day one. Make sure if you have not looked at the Flex up and if you haven't checked out the first do-it-yourself keel protector, Guard, right? All those things, be sure to go to keelguard.com. But yes, big shout out to Carl. Yeah.
1: And I got to say,
2: I put a scuff
1: buster on my boat earlier this spring a lot of comments on the scuff buster people dig it i dig it i love the functionality of it not just it's, the not, just the it's not, not just the bling it's not just the bling it's not just but it does look good but the functionality of it's awesome too anyway even though we haven't felt it in the weather it is approaching you got lots of championships going on bfl super tournaments coast championship coming up here you know not too far out of the picture AOI championship upon us as well. We speak and man, it is winding down for the tournament season. You can see it in the weights tough time right now, but as things continue to cool, fishing will get better. I guarantee it. You just got to get out there and grind, you know, such a common term used out there when fishing's a little tough, but the typical fall patterns beginning to develop Aaron, we're going to just hope for a South Texas cold front because I'm about done with the a little parched. I need some hoodie weather I'm waiting for. The <laughs> All right. Without further ado though, Aaron, we've got tackle tips galore and nonetheless, one coming up here. We're going to make you a better fisherman, not just Bass Edge Radio, but all of the pros we have here on the show, giving out tackle tips every episode. Here comes another one. This episode's protect ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with Major League Fishing and Bass Pro Tour Angler, Marty Robinson. Hey guys, this is MLF Pro Marty Robinson. When I'm fishing late in fall of the year. And I'm throwing
3: big walking baits, top water. I'm using braided line on these baits. I think next time you're out and you're throwing a big walking bait, try you some braided line. It really
4: gets you good action out of these baits, great hookups, and you land a lot of the fish that you hook. Thanks, Marty. That's a great tip nitro performance bass boats get pro
0: level performance with the nitro z18 the official boat of major league fishing the z18 with its nimble handling and versatility sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line like a guardian live well a heavily insulated cooler dual eight foot rod storage and our smooth and fast nvt hull every nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well catch fish Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 Allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass And feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines Well, Kurt, I must say
2: I was uh, a little nervous when we had our scheduled episode for for taping Um <laughs> was not sure if you were going to show up or if I would be doing these episodes solo. And what I am referencing is the little call out that I did to you on social media. So anyway, I'm not really sorry, but I am glad you decided to take the challenge, I guess, would be the easiest way to put it.
1: Let me just tell you, Aaron, I accept the challenge. I accept the competitive gesture and uh, I look to – Take the Bass Edge $1,000 donation for my charity, which we'll talk about in a future episode. I know I'm sure you're thinking that you're going to win this $1,000 for your charity, but it ain't happening, my friend.
2: Well, like I said on social media, Kurt, on the video that I did on the call out, uh, first you have to win. But for those that may not know what we're talking about like to encourage everybody feel free to go to Instagram to uh, Bass Edge Facebook they can see that we're going Kurt and I are going to be staying on top of this as this challenge progresses but I called out Kurt to the F45 eight-week challenge we're going to step it up a little bit but Kurt and I are committed to getting into better physical shape because as we all know to be able to make good decisions on the water with the mental aspect and then the fundamental component, we got to feel better,
1: Kurt. And quite honestly, we're getting old. No doubt. I, so I encourage everyone to log in. Check it out. F45training.com. I appreciate Colin allowing me to use her as my mentor, you know, someone that I can call in, phone a friend, stay on track in, in my F45 train. So I'm excited about that. Aaron, I'm not sure I'm going to be doing this at 430 in the morning, as you indicated on well, that, that,
2: that's what just what time i generally you know get there I'm, I, the workout doesn't start until i think it's five five fifteen okay so just okay. know and i'm at the 45 in Ellisville, Kurt. So if you want to come up and be in person, you know, with Colin and Brandon and myself, uh, but there's all kinds of, t- you're probably more the noon guy is what I'm thinking. Cause I also <laughs> have it 12, 12, 15. So I'll, uh, be, the evening.
1: I'll be the evening, you're the evening guy. Okay. All right. My social updates in the evening. I'll be fired up. Now we have committed to follow along our workouts on our social media platform. So make sure everyone check out Bass Edge, Facebook, Bass Edge, Instagram, Instagram. Uh, we're going to be posting videos and keeping up. Now, the challenge is that we are active, right? I mean, that's essentially what it is. We know that some transformation is going to take place as long as we can commit to having the these activities. So uh, the 45-minute activity period, you got to have minimum, Aaron, three per week. We're, we're, we're looking to do four a week, but in order to Stay above the cut line, as you might say. You got to have at least three activities per week so everyone can be looking online and and checking that out to see if we're keeping up. We want everyone else to comment too. We encourage you to join in on this little off season physical challenge because we do believe it's going to help me, Aaron. And the rest of Bass Edge Nation catch more fish. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to follow along, see where this thing goes. There is actually on f45training.com an eight-week challenge that you can begin October fifteenth that goes through December eighth. Aaron, due to his call out, we're going to we're going to push it a little bit longer. We're going to be in this deal about. 10 weeks, Aaron, I think. Is that about right? That is right. That is correct. All right. So uh, it's going to be about 10 weeks. So we're going to kick it off with this episode, October 1. This challenge begins now. So uh, when when I accepted the challenge on video, um, I was excited about it. This is actually something, Aaron, that, that I feel like – you know, need some attention in my life. I'm not getting any younger. Turned 47 uh, in September. So uh, I'm stoked for this, dude. I appreciate the call out, and I look forward to winning and having Bass Edge donate $1,000 to my cherry of choice.
2: Well, uh, good. So if that's all you're going to be doing, you're going to be continuing to look forward because you're not going to win. But uh, regardless, <laughs> whoever, whoever does or doesn't, uh, it's still – Everybody's going to get benefit from it and uh, look forward to hopefully we get some Bass Edge Nation people out there with us uh, doing the challenge with us and kind of we can all motivate each other and ultimately feel better and catch more fish.
1: Yeah, man. I love it. I love it. And talking about catching more fish, we are going to move into our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight, a return guest that has been crushing it out there on the BASS series. Stay tuned for more Bass Edge I am professional angler Stetson Blaylock. This is Bassmaster
3: Elite Series Pro, Bill Lowen. This is FLW Rayovac Champion, Brian
2: Schmidt. This is professional angler Joe Sancho. This is Skeeter Yamaha Pro, Dave Mansu.
3: Stay right here with Aaron and Kurt on Bass Edge Radio.
0: You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard Keel Protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do it yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick MegaWare Keel Guard.
1: Aaron, I got to tell you, I am stoked to have this angler return as a guest on the show. We are going to feature in this episode two-time BASS Elite Series Champion, currently top five ranked bass angler in the world. That's right. Serious stuff right here. Welcome to this episode, BASS Elite Series Angler, Jamie Hartman. Great to have you back on Bass Edge Radio, Jamie.
3: Yes,
2: sir. Thank you for having me. Well, Jamie, all I can say is wow, and you know, how fast the tide can change in a direction in favor of an angler. Congrats on the uh, two Elite Series wins but how does it feel when you look at those bass fan angler rankings and see your name next to the number three amongst that group
3: of people? That was a shocker. Somebody pointed that out to me a couple weeks ago, and I don't look at it really. I don't follow it. I never expected to be up that high in third, and somebody sent it to me, and I said, come on, take a screenshot and send it to me. So he did, and I was like, all right, I believe it now, but it's a shocker. I mean, there's a lot of great anglers out there that should be ahead of me. I'm not sure how they do their rankings and all, but hey, <laughs> if they say I'm third, I'm third, I guess. So it's pretty cool to see that for sure.
1: Hey, man, you take it and run with it, right? I mean, you've had an outstanding season, two wins on the Elite Series. Obviously, that's how you get to be ranked number third in the world, Jamie, just FYI. <laughs> two wins <laughs> on the Elite Series, pretty awesome. And you've had a great year. I think you're top 20, maybe top 15 right in there in points. Let's take a dive back. You know, you were last on the show April 2017. Went back and looked. We had talked about your success out there at Lake Cherokee in Tennessee, Damiki Riggin. You were new to the Elite Series. You came on in a firestorm, right? I actually think that uh, there's a rule in the Elite Series is attributed to you. You worked <laughs> Tail off, right? I mean, that's just it. You know, you you understood the rules. Here's the rules. This is what you can do to become the best angler that you can possibly be and have the most success in the Bassmaster Elite Series. You took that and ran with it. Literally, you went out there, worked your tail off, come out in 2017 with an unbelievable rookie season and made the Classic. Lots of top twelves. I think you had four or five top twelves in your rookie year. Yeah, Did five you- top tens five top tens i mean it was absolutely amazing so then they made the you know i'll throw it out there the hartman rule now after the elite series starts you can't the schedule is released you can't uh you know get any information about fisheries so kudos to you for having a rule (laughs) that's that's freaking awesome right
3: (laughs) actually i've never had it referred to the (laughs) <laughs> to me is, is that at all. I, I thought that pertained more to Wheeler than, than anybody, but... Well, I some
1: think. of those rules are, are a little different scenario. The rule that's the Harbin rule, in my opinion, just means this guy went out and worked his tail off within the confines of the rules of the Bassmaster Elite Series, And you went out there and learned these lakes, right, that you were going to – you were from New York. You'd never been to Texas, never been to here, never been to there. And you went down there and figured out how to catch bass. Then you abided by the off-limits period, and then you went out and whooped some butt. And uh, a lot of guys looked at that and said, you know, this guy's able, as a rookie, coming in, trying to make a name for himself – And, uh, you know, hey, maybe we need to change the rules a little bit because I don't have as much time as he does. I've got more industry commitments or something like that. And so we got the Hartman rule. Bottom line, that's what it was, bro.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, in the past, when you go to a new body of water or a new part of the country or or whatever, yeah, gosh, it's your job. I mean, you go, you put your time in. If you're sitting home or you're doing something else that okay maybe it pertains to fishing but it's eating up your time or whatever i mean that that's my job to fish and to learn how to fish and to learn how to catch fish in different parts of the country so yeah i put my time in i've always put my time in that's Uh, right it's kind of what makes you separate from somebody else you know and uh, yeah i guess a lot of guys are wanting because they couldn't or didn't want to put their time in so it's kind of sad but That's Um, my job, you know, and that's that's what I went and did, and I still do it, so.
1: And and you're crushing it, right? So, after 2017, you started the 18 season. You had some medical issues. You had some back issues. Let's dive into that. I understand there's been some uh, life changes that you made. I I mentioned to a buddy, man, "Man, Harmon's looking awful fit, you know, more fit than (laughs) he did when I was fishing against him in the open and stuff when I saw him. New York so let's talk about that a little bit and what happened to the medical situation and what you went through and where you are today and how you dealt with it
3: well that came in you know that uh, mid-season of 18 uh, I came into my second season and I dealt with sciatic nerve pain lumbar back or A couple of the tournaments and it was pretty bad not knowing exactly what was going on didn't have a clue i just knew i had a lot of pain and i've had sciatic in the past so i just figured it's just another flare-up and it's gonna go away but uh i finished up uh, i think it was orange texas uh, sabine river it was i made it through that made it saturday cut and Suffered through it, and, uh, you know, I got home. It felt all right, and it just, the next morning after I woke up, it was worse, and then the next day it was really bad, and it just got worse and worse by the weekend, and uh, it ended up getting me extremely bad. Like, pain I've never felt before in my life, and just constant pain. Uh, I ended up in a doctor's office with shots. I ended up in the ER with uncontrollable pain and come to find out it was actually a severely ruptured disc and that's where all the pain was coming from so the disc had completely just blown out and it was pressured onto the sciatic nerve which ran all the way down the right side all the way to the tip of the toe and, um, like I said man pain like no other I can't even explain it but it took me out uh, I had to do a mental hardship and basically just end my career with uh, a phone call and uh, signing a, the medical hardship. One of the hardest things I ever had to do because it was so hard to get there and just never thought Just don't take that stuff into consideration when you're you know, out there fishing that, one little mess up or just something that quick can take you out of your career and your dreams and everything you do on a daily basis just shuts you down.
1: Yeah, crazy deal. So in 2018, you took a hardship. You basically had to pull out of the Elite Series for the remainder of the year, which allowed you to come back in 2019. What were some of the things that, obviously, you made some changes, right? I mean, so let's talk about that a little bit on how you came through the other side of this medical issue you had.
3: Uh, yeah, well, time was one of the big essences. To it. I never did have the operation. I opted out of that. I had a lot of time laying on my back just looking on the computer and doing research. And that's pretty much what I did was just research a whole bunch of different stories and doctors and uh, you name it, man, forums, anything to deal with what I had going on. And um, I just collected a bunch of information, kind of weeded out the stuff that didn't make sense. It was both. And uh, I just made some adjustments. And a lot of it pertained to diet. And it was getting the inflammation down in the body was the key. That was the biggest key to get me out of the extreme pain that I was in. So I just started taking some organic stuff, some um, anti-inflammatory, this root called turmeric, and then just adding stuff to my diet. I wouldn't eat anything unless it was an anti-inflammatory. And And, uh, it just started to work. It started to work. Uh, slowly at first, and then it just started to kick in. And, And I said, man, I'm doing something right. So I got myself through that, rehabilitated myself with stretches and exercises every day, several times a day, and just stayed on that. And then I jumped right into a keto diet to take some pounds off. And uh, it just made me feel great and everything worked. And, uh, you yeah, know, with no operation, I feel like I'm 100%.
1: That's awesome, man. A lot of great changes right there. And uh, you can tell, man, like I said, I, you know, you noticeably look different today than you did, you know, 18 months ago. And uh, obviously, you're fishing a little bit different, too.
3: Yeah, and you, rolling. Started out a little rough getting back into the 2019 season.
1: You know, my head
3: wasn't there just quite yet. My decision-making was a little off. I was doubting myself, of course, worrying, you know, don't mess up your back, don't push yourself too much, that kind of stuff, and it just messed me up for the first two events, and and then I just soul searched after that, went to the Classic, and I got that drive back, and I just I went to the next event, which was Lake Hartwell. I wrote myself a little note on the, my windshield, my boat, which is still there today. And I, I left it there because it just slow down and, and watch what you do and just pay attention and make good decisions. And things will come together. And uh, they had that event, and it just it started rolling. And I got two wins out of it this season that, you know, I can't say it. it's kind of unexpected, especially Gunnersville, without a doubt.
2: Jamie, you bring up some interesting things there because often we talk here on Bass Edge about the fundamentals, right? the uh, what baits to use, where to go, what the fish are doing, what the bait's doing. Then we've transitioned and spent a lot of time talking about the mental pieces of, of how you need to have your head right to be able to make good decisions. But then something like you've went through, you quickly find out that if, if you're not feeling good, if your body's not in good shape, it doesn't matter how fundamentally strong or how mentally tough you are, that physical aspect can certainly outweigh all of those things to the point of like yourself to where it actually shuts you down. How do you look differently now Versus then, before the injury, of the importance of staying in good physical shape and putting good food and, and diet into your routine, I guess, for fishing.
3: If you want to make a career out of it and, and the longevity of it, I guess it's something you have to incorporate. You know, you see some out of shape guys that are getting older, and then it takes a toll on them. I've always been that hardcore guy where, you know, nothing's going to bug me. I'm invincible. I'll beat the heck out of myself going on the lake and three-footers it don't matter but it's just a wake-up call like you know you are getting older man You're, you know last year i was 45 so it's kind of a reality check but you have to make life adjustments and i've felt like i've done that right now um, i just need to keep myself on it i like to eat i'm a dude you know i mean we like to eat good food and enjoy that kind of stuff and especially my last trip up to new york was two and a half months and uh, the food up there is awesome So everybody wants to catch up with you and go to dinner and everything so I threw a few back on but I already bowed it's coming right off so awesome well thank you for sharing that I know that's uh, (laughs) that's probably not one
2: of the more fun things to talk about but I do believe it helps all of us seeing kind of really what it takes to stay out there on tour and and also for those like myself that's the kind of the weekend warrior you know gives us a different perspective as well I'm going to kind of shift gears here a little bit you uh, knocked out a third place finish recently in New York I'd really like to pick your brain in this interview you about some fall transitions versus between kind of the north and south and any differences or similarities there?
3: Yeah, I mean north or south is a big difference in transition. Like the, when I you're referring to the Anida Lake Open, I think up in New York, it was supposed to be a fallish tournament it's still summer pattern. Everything as far as where I'm at now, even Michigan, it's in the north where at the end of September, you think it's going to be fall transition, but I've watched the weather patterns. And unless you get that fall kind of weather, you know, in the cool nights and whatever, it will make everything progress longer. Uh, same with the spawn, you know, so you just reverse that. You get longer spawn in the spring, you can almost plan on a longer fall transition. So the weather will just roll out and you play the role of the weather. And um, when it's still warm, you don't jump the gun. You let the lake tell you what it's doing and you let the fish and the bait fish, you know, all that kind of stuff will kind of indicate your fall transition. So it can be a tough time to fish with that fall transition just because fish will start to scatter. or They'll start to move off of their summer deals and they're in between and you got to kind of anticipate where they're going or what they're doing and It'll get tough, like, supposed I've seen that in the South where fall transitions get really tough. And we just fished a tournament in Oklahoma. No, it didn't turn into fall, but it still had fish scattered around. And it was just a really, really tough tournament.
1: No doubt it seems like we're in this Indian summer condition, right? I mean, we talked a little bit about Lake Oneida. You finished third right there. You could see the fishing was tough. Not a lot of limits for Lake Oneida, you know, it, traditionally a, a limit factory. The fishing was sporadic. You catch some here, some there. Then you went on to uh, Oklahoma, and same thing at Tin Killer. You, you saw a lot of guys really kind of pushing that fall bite, you know, top waters, moving more shallow, angled banks back toward the creek you know kind of in that those highways where those fish will transition eventually to the backs of the creeks as they follow the bait but you had a lot of bait fish suspended still out there you had the tournament won by carl jockamson out deep um now you're going to michigan you kind of have this same scenario so how do you deal with that you know before this transition really takes place we've got this equinox thing right you know you got the Daylight is the same as the nighttime, you know, sun's up, same as it is down, right? So how do you feel like the fish really react to these fall migrations? Is there a specific thing where it's got to be water temp? You got to have these cold fronts? Or do you think in some scenario that they kind of pay attention to this daylight structure? that we have as
3: well i think they both play a role i think the daylight thing definitely starts to turn and the fish will react to it in a certain sense i think they get confused is what happens you know the bait fish are supposed to go to the back of the creeks but that temperature they're just not gonna go you know i think it affects the bait fish that way too so it doesn't push the fish back in there although they're wanting to so i think it'll push them up a little bit and that's what i did at oklahoma you know i went with the main lake pattern thinking i checked the creeks i checked the backs i did all that kind of stuff i didn't see the activity all the activity was on the main lake still and it should have progressed back but i just didn't see that Stupid me! I went with a shallow pattern. I'm not a shallow fisherman, but the first day of practice, just I had a good practice, so I started running just main lake stuff. And I see the I think thing in the fall is you need to adjust daily almost to what those fish are doing. Like we had dropping water. I didn't realize it was dropping that much. So each day is going to be different, and it'll take those fish that are on the bank, knowing that the bait fish want to be up there, the fish want to be up there at fall time, and it'll just push them out. And, and that's kind of what it did. Yes, guys did catch fish shallow, but they were resident fish. They weren't fish coming, and um, it, it definitely showed. And and that's the thing. I think in fall, same as spring, uh, it's the same kind of deal. You need to follow the fish daily on a daily you know, whether you've got clouds, you got rain, you've got sunshine, what was the night temperature, you know, all that kind of stuff, and just kind of follow those fish and the bait fish into that fall transition.
1: Great stuff. I am going to take a little bit real quick, one last question before we go to break. Smallmouth and largemouth, you know, up in New York, you come from an area with fisheries that, you know, are almost 50-50 fisheries, you know, tin killer you just came from Of course, it's probably going to be smallmouth dominated at St. Clair. But, you know, you come from these areas that had these smally, largey 50-50 scenarios. Uh, Aaron's got a lot of these places in Missouri, lots of smallmouth at Table Rock, lots of largemouth at Table Rock. Do you notice... Any differences between movements of the separate species, or do you feel like they just kind of follow that same transition period? Do you feel like maybe one reacts quicker than another, or what's your feelings on different species and how they react to the fall transition? I see more of the smallmouth will react to it
3: pretty quick. Um, They'll make that shallow jump and get really aggressive. Uh, Seems like a lot faster than the largemouth will the largemouth when it really cools off you'll think that well they're done mm. and they're pushed out and but it, it, they'll do the complete opposite and they'll get up there real shallow you know on my lakes the fifty-fifty lakes but you'll see those smallmouth make that transition i think first gotcha. um, you could definitely compensate on that
1: deal good stuff all right hey look forward to getting into some more fall fishing we're gonna break this down even further We've got a quick break we'll be right back y'all don't go away bass edge radio return in a moment
2: Bass Edge Radio, presented in part by Lawrence Electronics, returns with BASS Elite Angler Jamie Hartman in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products for oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on Lucas products. It
1: works. Jamie, we talked a little bit before the break about the summer solstice, the migrations going on. As fall progresses, even though we're in this kind of Indian summer, I feel like, all over the country. You know, down here in South Texas, man, it's still high 90s, even hitting 100 every now and then. And uh, October is upon us. Even up in New York, you know, they just had a, a Costa event there recently, and a lot of fish still being caught deep. Water temperature's still pretty high. No one's had any really great cold fronts as of yet. Summer solstice we talked about. You, you felt like there were some, you know, legitimacy in daylight hours and things like that. What are other factors you really feel like are the keys to making this transition really begin to develop and have some more success pattern fishing it seems like they're all over the place right now what do you look for for things to develop more securely in a pattern as we move
4: forward
3: uh that's a steady weather change That's the main thing that'll make it consistent, I think, is when the weather definitely switches. When you get those 50-degree nights and, you know, you only get uh, mid-60s, maybe 70 during the daytime, that's when you see it really start to change in a quicker kind of way. Before that, if you get your ups and downs or like now, like we've got this Indian summer going on and we're at the end of September and we were practicing in 100, 102-degree weather, I don't care what time of year it is, if it's October... 100, 102 degree weather. You're not gonna, get, you're not gonna see that kind of fall activity. It's, it's just not gonna happen. The water's super warm. The baitfish aren't going shallow. That's the key that really turns things on. Is when the baitfish start to move up and they move up shallower and they go to the backs of the creeks and stuff, which happens every season in the fall. That's what you look for. And when you got all that hot weather, it's just in the ups and downs. It doesn't happen. And once you get that consistent drop in weather, the temperature, you'll see that happen pretty quick. And it's almost like they're waiting. And then all of a sudden, boom, it drops and they kind of, all right, let's go, man. So that'll make your consistent fall pattern a lot more predictable.
1: So kind of an energizing, cool front. Like down here in Texas, you talk to all my buddies and and my neighbors and everything like, dude, we just need some break in the weather so it sounds like the fish are just waiting for that same thing do you think they feel more of just you know the change in the wind or is it strictly water temps that that you feel like is going to make that reaction because really what are we going to get maybe a three four degree water temp change and if our water temps right now in the mid 70s or so and it drops to the high 60s do you think you need a succession of these fronts to really come in and drop that temp into the low 60s or or do you really just think it's just going to kick start pretty immediately what's your thought process there
3: it's the cool nights the cool nights are key you get uh, several cool nights in a row and boom, it just, it jump starts it right then and there. Now you can definitely see that. I've noticed that quite a bit over the years. Once you see that drop in that, you know, nighttime temp, it's like, there it goes. And it'll consistently drop after that because you're not going to have warm weather at night. And it's the same thing, you know, in the springtime, when you get some warmer nighttime temperatures and then you get your sunshine, it's the complete opposite. It'll it'll just warm it up a lot faster. So it's the same thing in the fall. Once you get your cold temperatures at night, it cools the water that much quicker. And, you know, three days and better of that kind of weather, that's where you see it start dropping. And then you'll see that fall change and uh, it just snowballs from there. Then if you get a hot day thrown in, it doesn't affect it as much as it would if it was consistently hot. Actually, it'll be a great fishing day. Everybody loves a warm day in the fall after we've had some cool weather and the fishing can be tremendous and you'll see that yeah good point there speaking of
2: which there's kind of a choice anglers can choose to fish shallow or deep during the transitions what's your preferred tournament method and, and why
3: well i have a preferred i guess i i'll let the fish tell me you know on that body of water where they're at and if it's shallow I'll, you know obviously i'll be up there but if it's deeper i'd, I'd rather be out there but Every fishery is different. It reacts a little different. The fish react a little different. And, you know, if we still got a deep thing going, because a deep thing could be a schooling deal. You know, there could be a bunch of fish wadded up somewheres, and I'd rather fish something like that than, you know, bird and bank. So you just need to take that fishery into consideration and you just roll with it.
1: I like it. All right. Jamie, as you prep for the last event of the year out there on St. Clair, you're locked into the Classic. First, I want to ask you, you hear about some – I don't know if it's a cultural thing, just a different feeling about the Elite Series this year. I want to get your thoughts on that, you know, just what the Elite Series feels like to you now. Obviously, there's been a lot of changes. And overall, just, you know, kind of what you see ahead for your offseason.
3: Yeah, I mean, the changes... That took place, you know, in the bass fishing world has uh, definitely shaken things up a little bit, and obviously everybody had questions of what was going to happen, and we at Bass and the Elite Series have just seen nothing but positive come out of it, and we've had a phenomenal season with fans and the crowds at the events, the feedback And it goes on and on. And it's definitely on the upswing without a doubt. Uh, Yeah. There's a bunch of new names in there. A few of the names that have been around a little bit also, but everybody's learning them guys and they see it. And and I, like I say, I I got a tremendous uh, email yesterday from a fan and just, it was like, wow, you know, we touch these people that that well this year that it affects a lot of the guys that had put it on the wayside or just watched it here and there but when they watch these shows now you can see the guys that just have the drive the heart the dreams and everything that are just popping out there and coming true and we've had no absence of fish being caught Uh, the weights are tremendous they've been tremendous all year and the shows have been great so Everything's positive for us, and um, I think it's only going to get better and better.
1: That's great to hear. What do you see ahead for the offseason? I know you like to spend a little time in the woods, but uh, on the fishing aspect, what do you see moving forward for yourself? I mean, a lot of changes this year as far as your stature, in my opinion, right? So do you feel like that's going to change what your schedule lies ahead?
3: Well, I can tell you, man, this tournament is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. When Tuesday comes, I am locking the lids in the boat. I'm driving home and I'm parking it. I'm, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> like I'm going to the woods. I'm going to hunt. i got a trip in Texas right away. Just going to do a bunch of bow hunting. I'm going to kick back. I'm going to relax. It's been a great season for me, but it's been long and stressful. Even though I've had the wins, they're stressful too. Yes. So I just want to kick back, man. I want to sit there and chirp along with the birds in the sand for a little bit <laughs> right. and then I'll get my drive right back I mean I always do you know I'll get in the woods relax a little bit then my brain will be thinking all right well let's go to this lake while we got a little off time let's go check out that lake while we got some off time so um yeah I'll have a bunch of downtime but I won't have too much because I'm just driven to go so <laughs> I'll get back out there and start checking out a few of those lakes we got on the schedule that I have never been to so the work never ends
1: it looks like it's going to be an exciting schedule next year a lot of great fisheries some places that bass hasn't been for for several years so it's gonna be fun to watch I think you know quickly to mind like you follow will be uh will be an interesting scenario so it should be good to go yeah, tell I've you never what i have been there before yeah I know that no doubt Hartman is going to do his work so uh, I'm sure you'll have it uh, <laughs> dialed up or at least have some good ideas of, of what should be happening next spring when you' all go so that'll be exciting to watch we're gonna head into the listener question segment brought to us by Nitro performance Performance bass boats, Mike. Burke, Jamie, he asked this question if you could answer it for him. A scenario most of us have encountered but not often discussed is getting in a bad rotation of spots. Whether the case be affected by a draw or we end up fishing immediately behind other anglers or your, your offshore spots are not set up uh, to where the fish are actively feeding and you know they may have slid off the meat of the juice or maybe even in a neutral non-feeding mode. So we know the fish are there. Do you adjust and slow Down the fish, you know, maybe miss things by other anglers, stick with those stubborn offshore fish, or do you throw it on pad, change your rotation timing, and not necessarily go look for new water, try and change your timing running through those spots to possibly hit active feeding windows?
3: Yeah, that's an awesome question, and that's a very hard question to answer because I have not mastered it yet. Two instances. Uh, from this season, one was Gunnersville for me. Uh, day one, that's exactly what I ran into. Bad rotation. I was fishing behind anglers. And I couldn't pull on to half to three quarters of the spots offshore that I wanted to fish because there were anglers on them. And I ran into that all day. It was very, very frustrating. Tried to adjust as much as I possibly could. And, you know, I made it by by the skin of my teeth on that day one. And then we adjusted after that. I said, this is not happening. And I totally pretty much scratched my offshore deal. I said, I'm not getting myself into that again. That was very, very frustrating. With the maps that we have these days and, you know, the graphs and all, there's not much hidden. So I thought I was finding some things that were a little secretive and, you know, graphing some things that... I didn't see anybody else around. Well, I, that that wasn't the case. So, And then the same thing again that just happened to me at Oklahoma at Lake Tenkiller. I got on a bad rotation the first day. There was more than three quarters of the stuff I absolutely could not pull on because there were anglers there. It's a smaller fishery and I don't like to jump in front of somebody and I hate to jump behind somebody when I see them doing the same thing I want to do. So I'll get into an area more and try to slow down and just get a bite here and there. It's a tough, tough question to answer and I don't really know the true answer to it because like I said, I have not mastered it and uh, that weighs on me and it will this Oklahoma tournament I had a terrible finish and that's exactly what happened to me I got on a bad rotation I adjusted the second day and did a little better but it was still you still fish behind guys and it was just tough man tough all the way around um, being a smaller fishery so i think if you slow down a little bit and you can fish behind guys if you see him throwing reaction baits and whatnot and you know it's a good stretch i don't mind slowing down i'll pick off fish that they haven't caught uh, you always have two different kinds of fish uh, the ones that can be finessed slowly finessed and the ones that are going to react so i'd like to be that guy to finesse fish them and make them eat anyways So I don't mind slowing down and fishing behind guys that way. Yeah. Very good points there,
2: Jamie. And the other thing that I took from your explanation is that, you know what, if it's frustrating and uh, that's not your deal. Like what we had talked about before, if that gets in your head, it sounds to me like you have mastered the part of just knowing that there's no point in trying to push a rope because if you're ticked off or aggravated or feel like you're not getting to where you need to be on certain spots, what I took from that is go and move off a little bit or or try something else. So appreciate you answering that question, Mike. One more thing that we need from you is to go to BassEdge.com, click on the Claim Your Prize segment. Let us know that you heard Jamie answer your question here on episode 313. Provide your mailing address and we will get the Bass Edge gift sent directly to your doorstep. And Bass
1: Edge listeners keep firing in those questions. They've been rolling in great and we're picking the best ones possible. So keep your thinking caps on and love to hear those questions from our listeners. Send them in through our website, BassEdge.com or shoot us an email support at BassEdge.com. Well, Jamie,
2: thanks again for uh, visiting with us here on Bass Edge Radio. And uh, who knows, maybe the next time if you have the same luck, you know, Kurt likes to take credit for the fact that when we have guests on here and they do well, (laughs) it's It's because of our positive mojo, but I doubt very seriously that is the case with you. So anyway, once again, congratulations. But anything that you want to say before we sign off?
3: Oh, no, I appreciate the invite to be on the show. Everybody talks about it all the time. So the show's pretty popular. It's getting around pretty good. And I'm just honored to be on it again. And I hope maybe it gave me a little mojo for this (laughs) next tournament. So if it does, I'll
1: take it. Well, Jamie, uh, even though Aaron doesn't believe it, I am spreading the love. And hopefully that mojo hits you right right in the chest and uh, you have a great (laughs) event there at St. Clair. I'm going to send you off with our final segment. Four last questions for you. Number one, up to this point, what's your most used technique in 2019? Most
3: used, man. I do everything. Drop shot. I'll say a drop shot.
1: Drop shot. And there you go. It's Vanessa. I like it. You mentioned that earlier in the podcast. That's great. You talked about going to the woods. Will you compete in any tournaments from now to the end of the year? No, no, (laughs) no, All right. What bass event is pinging heavy on your radar going into 2020?
3: Uh, Well, we got two of them that are uh, heavy on the radar. Obviously, they're New York events. Um, I want redemption up there in Waddington at the St. Lawrence River. We're going back to Lake Champlain. Had some great events at Lake Champlain in the past. The last time I was up there, I stumbled a little bit. Just had a couple crucial lost fish, but I'm definitely looking to get back on Lake Champlain without a doubt.
1: Awesome. Still heavy on the northern fisheries. I like that. Not, not venturing far from your roots. And uh, the final question you got one choice a Snickers or a Baby Ruth. What are you going for?
3: Snickers. Hands
1: it down. Hands <laughs> and no questions asked. <laughs> Snickers. All right. Good deal. The very definitive. I like that. Jamie, man, it's been awesome to have you again on the show. I hope we get to catch up again soon. Best of luck at the AOY Championship. Bass Edge Radio listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages.
0: You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also, for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick MegaWare Keel Guard.
4: Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real world punishment, the Power is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift. PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you.
2: You know, we often rotate a lot of guests and try to have new ones, which is always a, uh, I find very interesting, but I also like it when we're able to circle back with some of our guests before and see how their lives have changed and things are different. And certainly they're different in a big way, um, for our last guest. I mean, he's, he's just a great guy.
1: Yeah. Jamie's an awesome dude. And, uh, you know, just, just committed to to the passion, committed to the drive that it takes to be successful. You get a lot of questions. What's it take to be a professional angler? How do I make this dream a reality? Jamie's part of that process of understanding because he emulates what it takes to strive and be the best you can be. Well, and, and then uh, uh,
2: physical challenges,
1: you know. No doubt, whether it's putting time in the water or adjusting your fitness level, which we've talked about in our challenge, it's, that's coming for us as well. And uh, Jamie's done that, and um, he's feeling a lot better, and uh, he's more holistic, it sounds like, as far as his fishing and his personal life and his physical well-being. So uh, congrats to Jamie, man. I'm going to continue to enjoy watching him as he progresses on the Elite Series, and uh, it, it was just a fun interview. I feel like we got a lot out of what Jamie had to say today.
2: No doubt. I felt the whole episode was uh, a a little different than what we normally do, but uh, certainly I liked it. I know it's helped me, and hopefully it's going to help Bass Edge Nation. But in the meantime, Kurt, we need to shut this down. Uh, You have got to continue thinking about the upcoming U.S. Open. Uh, Wish you luck there. Can't wait to uh, hear more about that. But for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin and the rest of the Bass Edge crew. Make sure stay in tune with all things Bass Edge via all of our social media platforms and, of course, BassEdge.com. We will see you next time right here, October 15th for Episode 314. So long, everybody.
1: Edge is
0: presented by Megaware Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.